Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It's a Sunday brunch edition, and there is a lot to chew on. Max Olson, maker of great scrambled eggs and perfectly cooked bacon. If Max, you sent me a picture of the bacon and eggs you made the other day. If it was on that little bacon chart that they had floating around the internet earlier this year, that would have been the one I'd pick. The perfect really? bacon. Yes. That was air fryer bacon. Beautiful. About 12 minutes in the air fryer, I think. Oh, wow. Because I, I did some air fryer bacon when I was making my mac and cheese for Thanksgiving. And uh, Ooh, good call. I did 10 minutes and it was a bit long. So yeah. I had to drop it down to eight at about 375. And that got it. Got that it right sounds where it about to be. right. But yours yeah. is a little bit thicker cut than the, the stuff I was using. Because I was using it to crumble. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm proud of something I made tonight. I mean, how are you doing on the uh, Thanksgiving leftovers game at this point? Not great because we let family members take most of the stuff home. Oh. It, was at, it was at my sister-in-law's house, so we let the family members take all of the the stuff that we would have brought home. But here's here's where we beat everybody. We mm-hmm. bought two hams last week. We have another ham in the <laughs> fridge, so there are ham sandwiches. We have a ham surplus, people. For, exactly, there are ham sandwiches for at least a week. So I'm not worried about the leftover situation. What we do need to worry about, Max, is the playoff picture because. It's suddenly a lot more interesting, not necessarily because of anything that happened in College Station, though that game was was interesting in its own right, but just the totality of the whole thing. You had Northwestern losing, so suddenly they don't control their destiny anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Ohio State getting a game canceled. Uh, you had Notre Dame get pushed a little bit, but not really. You had Oregon lose on Friday night. You had essentially the Big 12 title game get set. And so I think things are starting to clear up a little bit, but we'll start in College Station on Saturday night. That was the game most people were tuned into. It was not a particularly fun game to watch. Texas A&M's offense was pretty sluggish. Uh, LSU's offense was non-existent. Texas A&M's defense, I thought, played a really good game. And, you know, everybody's complaining because ESPN showed the graphic early in the game that said Texas A&M needs to win all of its games convincingly. Mm Mm-hmm. And then have Alabama beat Florida in the SEC championship, Notre Dame beat Clemson in the ACC championship, and then they're in. Okay, 20 to 7. The 7 was very much garbage time. So it was really, you know, it, it could have been 20 to 9. Oh, yeah. But they didn't throw the ball well at all against a, a defense that has not been able to stop the pass at all this season. So I don't, I don't know. It, it wasn't convincing by any stretch, but. I maybe I'm different, Max. I don't think they need to convince anybody. I think they just need to be nine and one and mm-hmm. have that other, other stuff happen and they'll get in. And if that doesn't happen, if they aren't nine and one or that other the, those results they need in the championship games don't happen, then they won't get in. Yeah, I I don't you know, it's I made a joke on Twitter tonight about 
how they should go for some CFP style points. And, and a bunch of Aggies responded like, nah, we're not running up the score on anybody. That's just not, and you watch them play. That's just not really how this A&M team is built. Um, you know, they, they run the ball with Isaiah Spiller behind a really good veteran offensive line. They've got the dudes to play really sound defense mm-hmm. and they didn't, you know, give up any rushing tonight at all, really against LSU. Um, but they're not <laughs> now. This is one of those weird games, Andy, where you you watch the the TV feed, and then every once in a while they'll like give you the sideways shot, and you're like, "Oh, they're playing in a monsoon." Yes. You can't really totally tell from play to play until they kind of show you the the zoomed out shot. So I can see why Kellen Mond couldn't throw the ball today, but you know, eleven for thirty four, um, it makes it hard to you know as 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 bad and vulnerable as LSU was today, A and M was not going to go drive down the field and put up a bunch of points on them, even as much as they probably wanted to after, you know, losing 50 to seven to this team or a LSU team a, a year ago, obviously very different, but uh, it's sweet revenge for A&M, but they're not, this is not really a team that's going to go out and put up a ton of points. And, 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 you know, they, maybe they will later on against Tennessee, but you're, I, I don't know that they're really built to, to go, you know, the quote unquote convincingly. Well, well my question is, uh, will they do it against this. Ole Miss? If that game, yeah, because that that feels like the, the dangerous game, game doesn't it? That's yeah. yeah, that's probably the game on the nineteenth. Well, we'll see on that. I mean, Fulmer, Fulmer let it slip that it, he's expecting Tennessee A and M on the nineteenth. That's so right. Who, so who knows where to lend move up. that to the twelfth? Yeah, it's it's yeah. That's right. Because I think if you're A and M, you probably would. It's probably better for you to play Ole Miss on the nineteenth and have a more exciting game, right? No. I mean, if Tennessee's checked out. No, I really want. want I, mean, I want the that, easiest game possible on the nineteenth. If I'm if I'm A and M. Yeah, but does that move the needle for you at all? You don't have to move the needle. That's that's what I'm saying. It <laughs> it doesn't matter if they are nine and one, and Alabama beats Florida and Notre Dame beats Clemson. They're in, especially now, because Oregon lost, so they're out. Yeah. Now there yeah. was a very exciting game in the Pac-12 on Saturday night. If you watch, you know Utah took a big lead on Washington, and then Washington stormed back. Great, great final drive for the Huskies. To, to win that game and they're safe face for the entire pack 12. They're yeah. the team in the pack 12. Now I, and I realize USC is still undefeated, but I'm a little concerned about USC, which had to cancel its, its Colorado game. Cause you know, they, they might be missing another game. I didn't think, see Ari and I got in this argument on Friday about whether, or well, I guess it was on Wednesday about whether Oregon was dead or not already. And I said, coming in at 15 in the first poll, they're dead. They're not moving mm-hmm. up. And, and I, by Oregon, I meant the entire Pac-12. Right. I don't think Washington can jump up either. Now, No, I don't think so. It would have been nice if Washington could have played BYU. <laughs> that would have been more fun. Yeah. I don't think Washington yeah. can beat BYU. That might be the problem. I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. So it, it, it's just, I don't think the Pac-12 is going to participate in the playoff race this year. And that's okay. You know, they, they almost chose not to participate in the season. So and they yeah. other they've got issues. like a bunch of solid teams, not really like a bunch of horrible teams this year, but just a bunch of solid ones. Not really. We'll see on USC, but not, eh, I, I don't, I don't think you have to, we have to worry about them too much in this, uh, this conversation, especially with the fewer games, but you know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned one of those scenarios you mentioned is, and I, I still wonder about is, is there any part of you that wonders if the committee would give a two-loss Clemson the benefit of the doubt? Nope. Not if they lost to Notre Dame twice. I don't think really? so. I, I think they would. Now, 
Well, okay. I say that. Does, is A&M 9-1 in that scenario? Or has A&M lost a game, another game? Sure. It's, it's way more interesting if, if A&M loses to Ole Miss or something like that. Um, but let's say A&M's 9-1. A&M's in. I really think so. I, I think they'll say A&M played a very challenging schedule, has a better win. Remember, committee loves good wins. Yeah. What's Clemson's best win versus A&M's best win at that point? It's Miami versus Florida. Right. And those are pretty close, but I think they'll probably take Florida in that scenario unless, you know, something happens to Florida down the stretch. But the way they're playing, I just don't see that happening. And that's the, that's the interesting thing is as much as we watch this stuff and wonder, okay, is there like a little bit of an argument that maybe at some point Florida is the better team than A&M? It's almost like the better Florida plays, the better that win's going to keep looking for A&M and the right. more they should stay ahead. Right, you know? exactly. And if Florida loses to Alabama by a touchdown – in the SEC championship game, well, that helps A&M too. <laughs> like, yeah, you're that right. just helps you're A&M's right. case. So I, I think A&M's good as long as those things happen. Or if, let's say, Notre Dame takes a loss between now and then, I don't think they will. I think getting, I think getting past either. North Carolina means they're fine. Yeah. I thought that, I and mean, by the way, I thought that was a really good, encouraging step the way they played in that second absolutely half. absolutely so you know i i think that feels pretty clear cut what does not feel clear cut is the big 10 situation so i was oh already in bed friday night when the email came from ohio state that that they were not going to illinois they were canceling that game the way the protocols work typically and this is not just the big 10 which has this the stricter protocols most teams, when they call a game off, means they're not playing the next week either. Right. And so if you called the game off in the wee hour, very late Friday night, I, I mean, are you going to be able to play Michigan State if you're Iowa State? I, I, I know we're all kind of like learning on the go with this stuff, but you're right. It, it, it is kind of a weird – it's hard to read between the lines there when you take what – I think Gene Smith kind of tried to frame as sort of a more of a precautionary measure, like, hey, we could have played this game. I, I think that but we was can't. don't freak out when we tell right. you on Wednesday. But or sometimes Thursday. it's hard to tell with these things. Is it, hey, we're trying to nip this in the bud, or is this sometimes it's uh yeah, we think we're about to have a lot of cases, so we can't do this. Yeah, I and the thing is, I think they may be in a position now where they can say, We think we can play next week. And they can they can operate under that assumption until they can't. And right. there may be a point early next week or middle of next week where they have to say, we can't play Michigan State. And then you have a problem because you're supposed to play six games to qualify for the Big Ten championship game, which I'm not really not sure why they put that rule in at this point. But <laughs> now that threshold can change. But Dave Refson from the Big Ten Network did the math on it and here's what would have to happen for the threshold to change. So in the next two weeks, there are, there are 14 Big Ten games scheduled. Twelve of them would have to be canceled. Well, I mean, things, that, things are going bad right now, but yeah. they're not going that bad. So that means two of them would have to be played. One mm -hmm. of those two would have to be an Ohio State game. Yes, it would. And then the rest would have to be canceled. And then, look, and then you get into... What I think maybe becomes the most interesting discussion in all of this going forward is just, well, okay, if if you if if Ohio State say they don't have a chance to 
you know, play Wisconsin or Northwestern or whatever at the end of this. And they were also given a very easy crossover schedule this year, right? Where, where's the, where's the resume at that point? Right. And that's, that's the issue. So also let's say they get another game in, whether it's Michigan state or Michigan and don't look good. And you just don't put them in. That's it. Maybe you're just like, no. Oh, oh, well. Too bad. This is kind of where my cynicism kicks in of like, look, there's a reason why the committee never wants to commit to any rules because, you know, at the end of the day, they pick who they think is the best four and they come up with the criteria afterward to justify the best four. Right. Right. Exactly. So they can kind of do whatever they want and don't really have to care what that win total ends up being for Ohio State. But, you know, if there are some really, if we're talking about a 9-1 A&M, if we're talking about, I mean, should we throw in the mention of undefeated Cincinnati? Yes, that has an actual conference should. championship and has beat good teams in their conference. Assuming they have a conference championship. If they do. Potentially two games against Tulsa for them. <laughs> that right, right. That's well, true. As long as one of them happens, I guess, then you're good to go. I... I'm not trying to rile up any Ohio State fans. I just think it's I mean, how how low is the bar for yeah, this is still fine. Ohio State's still one of the, you know, still a national championship team. Well, which, here's what they're going to To ask. the eye, they still are in a lot of ways. If Ohio State plays Team X that we're talking about, who do you think would win the game? And right. If Ohio State looks like they looked against Indiana and they play Texas A&M, I don't know who wins that game. I really don't. It's a good point. I mean, yeah, but if I don't, they play I don't, Cincinnati, I don't know. I'm it's probably just, still picking Ohio State. And okay, and again, you go back to the committee wants to see great wins, and A and M's been in position to play in a bunch of those kind of games. Um, obviously, wasn't close against Alabama, but nobody else is gonna be right. Um, well, we'll see. I mean, Florida might be, but we don't know. It, it, the rest of the regular Auburn season, certainly I mean, nobody wasn't. else is. <laughs> yeah, Auburn. Auburn was not. That was uh, that was a beatdown. That was a full-on beatdown. I mean, it, it didn't make a difference if Saban was there or not no. in, that, in the way that went. And Mac Jones had a great game. And, I mean, what's going to be really interesting down the stretch is this – it, it's, it feels like Mac Jones versus Kyle Trask for the highest. It does. And, yeah. and if only they got to play each other. Oh, wait, with, with, they're going with to. With Trevor jumping back into it here potentially. I mean, yeah. well, you know. I'm telling you, though, Heisman voters love stories. And – when it's the guy who we've been told is going to be the number one draft pick since he was in eighth grade versus the three-star that flipped from Kentucky to Alabama and everybody told me never play there, and the two-star mm-hmm. who didn't even start his own high school, guess right. guess who's going to get more votes? Those other two guys. <sighs> Which is wild because we NFL may end up in a world where – it, 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 it it's going to baffle me if we live in a world in which Trevor and Tua never won a Heisman, but that's possible for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. So that's, I mean, yeah, Alabama looks like the, the runaway number one most complete team. I don't know if they are. I, I think if they do that to Florida, probably, yeah, they probably yeah. are. But we've also seen them give up a lot of points to Ole Miss. You know, it's, they're not, they're not a perfect juggernaut by any stretch. And, you know, I, and I think that's probably good because like the last time Alabama was, was a perfect juggernaut was 2018 and they got destroyed by Clemson in the national title game. So mm-hmm. I, I think we're going into this with our eyes open, realizing that everybody's got flaws, that there is no, 
you know, runaway, that's the national champ right there. So I agree. And I, and I think it's encouraging that at least it, it, as of today, I feel like you'd say we are, I think, going to end up with four legitimately good, as weird as the season has been, I think we are going to end up with four legitimately good competitive teams. We might that, have two in, interesting I don't think the semifinals are going to be blowouts that set yeah. up some, some easy, you know, whether it's Bama Clemson or whatever matchup, you know? Well, think about it. We've not had a year with two interesting semis. Yeah. The closest is the first, and it was only interesting because of the way Florida State melted down in the Oregon game. The game itself was not close, and then Ohio State-Alabama was a good game. But for the other ones, you know, you had the incredible Rose Bowl between Georgia and Oklahoma – but Alabama yeah. destroyed Clemson in the Alabama and Clemson was not close at yeah. all that game. Yeah. So I mean this is this is one where you could actually have two good semis and I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, I mean for all for all the weird crap that's happened, yeah, I think I think at least we're still going to be okay in okay shape and it's hard for me to watch Alabama and not just kind of think that that they're going to be the team at the end of this, you know? I I just think and they were my pick to win it all at the start of the season just because I feel like the infrastructure there this is like kind of when it pays off that the things that Alabama has that nobody else besides Clemson really has, this is kind of the year when that pays off. And I think we've continued to see that. I I don't think Auburn's a bad team at all, but they had no shot today. No. And and that was, that was apparent early. You're just yeah. waiting for Alabama to, to just explode offensively. And they did. And uh, they're discovering new weapons like Billingsley, who is uh, their version of Kyle Pitts. He's not, you know, he's not too where Kyle Pitts at Florida, is at Florida right now, but but you can see where he might be next year, and mm-hmm. that's kind of scary a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, I think this is this is going to be an interesting stretch run. We, we we tend to give like we we tend to give Lane a lot of credit for for helping Alabama transform. Oh, Sark's offense is really good. Oh my god, man! Like the stuff they're doing now, we I, we probably don't give them enough credit for. No. Wow, look at how they innovate around their playmakers. Yep, and I thought I thought today was a big day for Sark. You know, yeah. he's not had a chance to lead a team since he was USC's head coach, and he gets fired uh, essentially for. Uh, I say fire. I never say he got fired for alcoholism. It was all the other stuff around the alcoholism right. that got him fired, right. but. He's had to prove, hey, I'm healthy, I've improved myself, I'm better now, I'm capable of leaving a program. And look, he probably could have gone to Colorado this past offseason, but in what, and we're going to get to this a little bit later in the show, in what could be a little deeper, more high-quality coaching carousel than we thought a couple months ago? Because we thought there would be no coaching carousel? Yeah, exactly. Steve Sarkeesian could be a, a pretty interesting name depending yep. on how people how people feel. We'll be right back with Max Olson talking about a big, big weekend in college football that is going to make some changes in the rankings come Tuesday night. What do you think happens next week in the Big Ten? What, 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 what are you setting me up for here? Are we talking about, talking about the Buckeyes? Yeah. Do they play? Because, I, I mean, here's the thing. If they don't play and the rules stay in effect, which – According to Gene Smith, it sounds like they're going to. We are looking at Indiana Northwestern in the in the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I look. You, you've established the stakes, right? I, Ohio State's going to find a way to play 
by any means necessary next week. Not that you can just totally control the circumstances when you're dealing with trying to prevent outbreaks in your program and all that. Obviously, it's hard to get any of this quote unquote under control, right? But yeah, it's sort I of think out they're of going control at this point completely. But I, yeah, I think Ohio State's going to play. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, and that's where you, you just it, it's going to be fascinating to see kind of how these next few rounds of testing go for them. If, you know, I think probably the instincts are right that, hey, going on a road trip here is probably going to exacerbate this and turn it into a big problem. And so um, the decision they made makes a lot of sense. Um, but now their backs are completely against the wall. I think they're going to play. Uh, so you've got them against Michigan State, which um, is the best kind of, of bad team, Andy. When, yes, when you're they bad, get up but for you the can, biggest games. When you can pull off sweet upsets, even though you're bad, that's... That's a, a great kind of year one. Well, yeah, uh, I also think I, I think that speaks highly of Mel Tucker. It does. He's getting a lot out of what he inherited, and as we know, he didn't inherit much. But he seems well, and to be, at one and three, you can be like, "All right, let's tear it down. Right. Let's purge the roster. Let's get started on the reconstruction here." And and no, they still got their guys to play hard. Oh yeah, and I mean, they came out of the shoot against Northwestern, ready to win that game, and then and then yeah. when Northwestern took control, they took it back. You know, that, yeah. that's the other part. They could have folded when Northwestern came back on them, but they didn't. I, it, it was really impressive. And, you know, I'm sure Ohio State's still a massive favorite against them. But oh, yeah. that game's interesting. And then, you know, I think Indiana, Wisconsin, if they can play it, is certainly, certainly really interesting. Obviously, the stakes are not kind of quite where you hope they would be because Wisconsin's only played three games now at this point. But, um, you know, Indiana got it done this week. Uh, you know, Penix got hurt, and that's yeah. you know, hopefully he's okay. Available? But we don't know. Uh, Tom right. Allen said not not till Monday, right? You know, so or they'll find more and more out by Monday. But that's it's very intriguing there. But I, I'm with you. I think Ohio State tries their best, and and the decision they made about the Illinois game probably was intending to save these next two if yeah. they can. Uh, but here's the other part you can't control. You need Michigan State and Michigan to be able to play too. Hey, and that's <laughs> that's where it gets gets a little bit How wacky. How salty that, would it be? Now they're not going to do this. Michigan would Michigan not. Cancel I'm telling you, Michigan State. won't do this. They're not yeah. going to be like, oh, can't play. No. However, if they did, the saltiest that would be, thing ever in the rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. In the game in which Ryan Day, I, I believe, wants to put a hundred on on Michigan this year potentially. So yeah, that would, uh, they would have to roll that over. Well, and, and so Michigan probably as, as low as you're going to get for them, they played previously winless Penn state, Penn state now has a win and Michigan is, you know, this is just, it's a free fall situation they, they have yeah. no answers. Uh, Cade McNamara got hurt. They they went back to Joe Milton. They went back to Cade McNamara, despite him being very limited at the end of the game. I don't know what you do at this point if you're Michigan because there there does not seem to be a path forward with Jim Harbaugh. And I realize you can say, well, it's just, you know, it's just one of those seasons, which I have said with regard to Penn State. But right. the difference is James Franklin's won a Big Ten championship. He's played in, you know, New Year's Six Bowls most years. I mean, so he's already done the things that Michigan's trying to do. Harbaugh seems no closer than than when he started. Yeah, and it's just, isn't it just kind of this, 
I always am fascinated by this kind of phenomenon in, in college football, and I, I suppose it's pr- true in the pros too. Of kind of like when this when this kind of dark cloud starts to hang over you, there's like there's just nothing you can do, right? It's worse and worse. It does, it does, and, and like it, Butch it, it, Jones, like it doesn't matter who you play in this yeah. case with with like, Penn State, you like know. Butch Jones at Tennessee. So think about 2016. Butch Jones beats Florida and beats Georgia. Everything is perfect. Everything is going according to plan. Mm-hmm. By 2017, it is all fallen apart completely because they yeah. didn't they didn't finish out when the SEC East in 16, and then all of a sudden everything just goes to hell, and and it feels like that's what's going on in Michigan right now. Right, it's like the like, it, we talked so much last year about just like oh the the you know the magic the lightning in the bottle of LSU last year right. And it's like the opposite can be true in this yes. sport too, where when it's bad, it just keeps tumbling and tumbling, and that's. That's what it was for Michigan today. It's it's still hard to like believe where you know the takes after one game of Michigan football, right? Mm-hmm. And that Minnesota game, that incredibly misleading Minnesota game versus where we stand today where they they should be 1 and 5. Yeah. No, they they they've deserved every loss and they should have lost to Rutgers. And 100%. all right, so let's get into the potential coaching carousel part of our program because Oh boy. Yeah. So Jim Harbaugh has one year left on his contract. Michigan is going to have to decide to let him coach out the last year of the contract or extend him or part ways. Mm -hmm. Part ways feels like the most logical choice at this point, even though it would cost $8 million. Yeah, I, you know, I joked on Twitter today that, huh, it's interesting that the Lions job just opened up. I wonder if there's any experienced coaches. In the state of Michigan, who've who've won in the NFL, who, who didn't really care for that suggestion. Easy I can see commute. Lions fans who also happen to be Michigan fans, maybe not loving that. But at the same time, it, didn't it solve your problems? It would solve Michigan's problems. I don't know if it solved the Lions' problems. Can you get Greg Roman to come run the offense for the Lions? I think we know at this point the first couple of years could be pretty good, right? Can you get Greg Roman to come run the offense? Because that's that seems to be the secret sauce. That that does, and he yeah. seems a little busy. With John over in Baltimore. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I. It's it's wild. It's wild that it's come to this. Um, but I, I think as much as it's easy to to look at this and and kind of pick it apart and say, okay, well, here's all the 2020 reasons why this happened, and you want to find some way to write it off. You, I think at some point you just, you lose too much goodwill. You know, you just lose too right. much. Uh, and the contract situation is confidence is. of the fan base that this can be turned around, Yeah, you know, and that starts to hurt, hurt you everywhere, right? It's not just fans. It hurts you in recruiting and it's just hard to, it's hard to go through a whole off season then of being, well, they kept him, but aren't they going to dump him any moment yeah. now? You know, yeah, the contract is situation is what it is. At least you didn't give him an emotional extension, so you're not locked into him forever. Which, if, yeah. think about it, if if after year three or even after year which is two, a little hard to believe they didn't when you I think know. about it. But yeah. if after year three or after year two they lock him up for another seven years, then they're on the hook for for three to four more years at this point. I think after a couple of years they would have been ready to give out that you know Lane Kiffin FAU ten year contract. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So they're they're lucky they didn't do that. And and good job. I don't know if it was Hackett still there or Ward Manuel had already gotten there or who made that decision. And and part of it's Harbaugh not having an agent not pushing for that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if he had Jimmy Sexton repping him, I'm sure Jimmy would have been in the AD's ear. You know, there's not very many coaches in the country who whose stance on that contract situation is bigger fish to fry, right? Yeah. No, so their 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 agents tend to get that worked out. I I find that admirable about Harbaugh, but unfortunately for him, it doesn't help him in this situation. Right. Speaking of the emotional extension and of quality oh jobs, here it comes. Iowa State and Texas played on Friday. They sure did. Texas lost, which ended Texas's chances of playing the Big Twelve championship game and sent essentially Iowa State to the Big Twelve championship game. Matt Campbell has Iowa State in the Big 12 championship game. Matt Campbell, who had Ohio, you know, had Iowa State ready to go in a game that Texas should never, ever lose, a game for a spot in the Big 12 championship against Iowa State. Texas should never lose that game. Texas lost it in perhaps the most frustrating way humanly possible. Some horrific clock management decisions down the stretch. Yeah. yeah, Andy. If you if you handed the keys to Texas to Matt Campbell, do you think they'd be a playoff team pretty quick? I, I think they'd be better than they are now. I think they'd punch it, up, and and that's the thing because guess who else is probably interested in Matt Campbell? Michigan, which would you know for a lifetime Ohio guy would be selling your soul, but you know it's hey look hey they're all from Ohio. That's what uh, Jack. These Conklin's jobs don't open dad. up very often, though. You know, Jack, Jack Conklin's dad, Jack Conklin, the the left tackle from Michigan State, who is in the NFL now. Uh, I was doing a story back in Harbaugh's first year at Michigan, kind of comparing the Michigan State and Michigan programs. And Jack Conklin's dad put it the best, and it was the end of my story. And he goes, "All these guys are from Ohio, anyway." He's right. <laughs> That's true. Every single it's true. And so it's true. And which is funny because that's also true of this uh, carousel a little bit when you talk about some of the people that would potentially get thrown well, around for Texas. Mario Cristobal, he, not from Ohio. Not from Ohio. He would now he's the one And that I Matt like Fort- that. I respect that. Uh, I, I yeah. was listening. I respect that uh that take by Fortuna. For Michigan, on- but but for Texas it'd be equally good. Now here's the interesting thing about Mario Cristobal. He is now I, I hesitate to say anyone who makes between two and a half and three million dollars a year is underpaid, but he is underpaid relative to his level of success at mm-hmm. Oregon because he he got his contract tweaked, but not really helped that much. The other thing he has is a massive buyout because Oregon was understandably burned. Yes, they were by losing Willie Taggart after a year. So, if you would like to hire Mario Cristobal right now, it will cost you a a tidy sum of eight million dollars. If you would like to wait until January 15th, it would be $5 million. Yeah, there's a lot of recruiting that has to go on between then and but January But is 15th, there really? <laughs> if you're not going to fire your coach so, till after the end of the regular season. Yeah, yeah. The, the Texas situation is, to me, it is, um, in a lot of ways, I think you'd have to say, that it's objectively absurd, okay? Because yes. Texas is basically on track to finish seven and three with three extremely close losses, right? And you would think at most places in the year like this, when the price tag of moving on is close to $25 million total when you include the head coach and the assistants, you would think, you know what? We didn't win the Big 12. We didn't go to the playoff. The goals were not met this season, but... You know, 
pretty good year still, right? It's a, it's a trajectory question. And it's also... That being said, this is Texas. Right. And, and they when have you're big, fed up, you're fed up. Yep. And you they know? have a big project going on. And people a, have a pledged... A significant project, people yeah. People have pledged that, money for that project, but maybe haven't written the checks yet. And maybe might say, maybe I don't write this check unless you do something different. Yeah, the bills, the bills on the uh, the south end zone here are going to be due, and that's one thing of of many things Chris Elkani's had to manage this year. And it's you know, it's wild. It's wild that we've we've reached this point. Um, but at the same time, especially the way that Iowa State game was lost, it kind of gives ammo to all the Texas fans who are fed up. Right, the way that the, as you said, the the last four minutes of that game. You know, first of all, Iowa State was the tougher team. Yeah. No question. But then you look at the fake punt. You look at getting stopped on fourth down. You look I, at I don't, the quick I don't three and out when you can the put the game down. away. I, I will take Sam Ellinger on that fourth and fourth and a foot every single time. I right. don't give I, I have no problem with him trying that one. The field goal would have been nice though, in hindsight. It would have, um, but but that one I, I I'm not I know, the, the, I know. the fourth going forward on fourth down is the better decision mathematically. Now, historically with Sam Ellinger, I, I don't know that the zone read was the call there. They've they've got lots of plays that have always worked really well. The sweeps always worked well for him. But yes, I, I'll give you that. It, the fake punt, which they were sure was work was going to work, didn't work. It's the quick three and out that only takes a minute off the that clock was, when you have a chance to put killer. the game away. And then it's the final drive where. And it, you 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 got ten plays and you can't put your your kicker in position, you know. Take a sack and 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 really, why wasn't the offense throw it to Brennan Eagles until they stop that? That that's been the question all season with with a lot of this is there's been times when they've made it look really easy, but and maybe part of this is just new coaches, new coordinators, just the consistency well, wasn't totally there for Texas. Here's this year. the thing, and this is what I never understand. Like my favorite coaches are the ones who run the same play 10 times because it works 10 times. Yeah. And then if they stop it on the 11th, the, 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 the guy who's won the Big different. 12, the guy who keeps running the Big 12 is is very good at that. Yeah. Stop outsmarting yourselves. Yeah. But we mentioned the emotional extension and Tom Herman got one of those emotional extensions after Texas is back, baby, after they won the mm-hmm. Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. And so now his his part of the buyout would be between 15 and $16 million. It would have been five if not for that buyout, or if not yeah, for that, I think that we're extension. about 15 on that. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and then you're right. You've got two new coordinators this year that you've got to pay off their deals if you make a change. And it's not pretty anyway. I mean, offsets it. will help you, but it's still a big check. And this is like everybody else, Andy, you, you know, they've done layoffs, they've done cutbacks, they've you know, as as much as Texas Texas is a cash cow, they're feeling it like everybody else too. Yeah, no, it's I, that's so the, part. the hard thing for me is the fan base is clamoring for Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. I think we both know that Urban Meyer's interest in returning to college football is at this point still sort of a mystery, right? And if uh, if Urban Meyer wants to kind of keep living that cushy life uh, of doing Fox, wh- what do you do? Wh- wh- who who is the you know, it was easier to make a move on Charlie Strong when that guy down at Houston was so successful, yep. and it was easy to rally the base around it. And uh, if it's not Urban Meyer, um, you know what? What's the answer here? And and I think it's a fascinating thought experiment because all the sort of usual names you see, how how many of them actually fit Texas? Cristobal would. 
I think Matt Campbell would. I think Chris Ball would from a recruiting standpoint for sure and in, in maintaining where they're at. Uh, is he is that a big upgrade in terms of the in-game coach? That's a good question because we saw Mario Cristobal lose on Friday. I'm night. not saying he's bad. Yeah. I just it's a limited resume. Right. But but we saw him lose on Friday night. We saw them struggle against UCLA. So now I will argue that that Oregon has lost as much or more than anyone to opt-outs this mm-hmm. year. If the Oregon team That's that true. was supposed to be on the field in terms of high-end talent, yeah, yeah, at the beginning of the season, if if there's no pandemic, I'll take that team over anybody in the Pac-12. Like that right. team's not losing in the Pac-12. So that's that's the thing. I, I mean, yeah. Do you do you take the guy who can recruit and make your roster what it's supposed to look like to compete for national titles, or the guy who's never been at a place where you can recruit like that, but has proven he can coach you to punch up? Yeah, I I think with when you're talking about Texas and Delcani, though, I think you know he's going to try and pull a rabbit out of a hat here, right? Like you're shopping from the list of top 25 coaches. If you're Texas, especially if you're going to pay this price to move on from the guy you've got, um, you're, you know, who can you convince to come to Texas, which keeps moving on from coaches after three to four years. And you know, his, you know, who, who's the savior if, if not urban Meyer, see the urban Meyer thing's easy too, because you're not paying Fox a buyout. It's true. You can you can start negotiating with Urban Meyer whenever you want. Yeah, it, that, that part. But but you're right. Urban Meyer has to decide. Urban Meyer wants that, and I don't know yeah. that that decision's even been made. So right. that's that's the issue. And then who else? Okay, we, we mentioned Cristobal, who who is a good fit there. But who else is a fit there? <laughs> um, as. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Sam Ellinger basically alluded to it after the game. Like this has been the thing people have been asking for a decade at Texas. You know, what is it that's causing the problem? And so, um, you bring I don't know. Mac? There's not. What's that? Did you bring back Mac? <sighs> yeah, Mac's doing pretty well. I mean, I don't think you'd. Have I don't to think pay Mac would lot. go back. I don't think Mac would go back. Um, oh, I think. Come on, to be the conquering hero, they come crawling back to him. I, I I think his memories are still pretty strong. How that is? Oh, he's yeah. he's he's loving his life right now. I think so. But but okay. The, there's not really this this year. There's not really that crop of in-state guys that you would say no. this is the clear front runner, right? Absolutely not. James Franklin's having a bad year. Yep. Uh, a guy no, like I David Shaw would have been on the radar a couple years the, ago. The, no, the thing is James it Franklin's but, also expensive to get now. If you got James Franklin last year, you'd get him for nothing. There, there would have been no buyout to Penn State. That's right. why Penn State locked him up with that big extension. Um, Bob Stoops is not coming, nope. right? Chris Peterson, like, there's another guy you could talk to, but I, I mean, he's coming. Does he I don't want think to? He wants any part of that? Right. Um, David Shaw, I, you know, would, would, is a guy who would have been on the list, but not last now. time it opened up or two years ago. Not maybe not so much now. I, and to me, like, quite frankly, like, you know, is, there is somebody Luke Fickle in the NFL? or PJ Fleck much of a, like, a dramatic change from what you've got, to be honest? Well, exactly. And is there somebody in the NFL? See, there's a, there's a guy who got fired in the NFL, but the problem is you can't sell him. Yeah. I think he would be a phenomenal recruiter. Dan Quinn would be a phenomenal recruiter. Oh, God, I thought you were going to say Bill O'Brien for a second. No, no, not Bill O'Brien. 
Though, I, look, you put Bill O'Brien in the right college program, I think he'd do, he'd do fine. But sure. Dan Quinn would be a great recruiter. I think he'd be a really good college head coach. But the question is, do, would he even want to do that? Does he want to take calls from 17-year-olds? Or does he want to be a, a seven-figure NFL coordinator? Right. And, you know, look, Kyle Shanahan uh, has a lot of Texas ties, but I think once you've been to the Super Bowl, you're probably, you ain't going anywhere. probably not yeah. looking to leave the NFL anytime soon. Yeah, I, there's just not that because you could say, oh, well, Joe Brady with the the offense and Joe Brady's now on the short list to be an NFL head coach. But right. Joe Brady's going to be an NFL head coach. There's a reason he dipped out of college after one year. For sure. For sure. So <laughs> it's a, you know, and I think that just uh, it, it puts Crystal Connie in a really interesting position here because you are relying on your donors badly right now to pay the bills to, to make your coach go away. Right. And if, if those folks are all sort of uniting around the idea of urban Meyer, then, you know, if you're crystal Connie and does your preference matter, right? I mean, do you have to go after well, the guy that everybody wants? Here's the deal. If I, but what if urban Meyer doesn't want it? Right. I mean, I, I would take the temperature of urban Meyer and if he doesn't want it, I might think about going back to those donors and saying, listen, there's nobody that fits. Mm-hmm. We got to give this guy another year. So you can either be with us so or how against do you do this, this gracefully, right? But so we, that everyone's like, hey, Tom, nothing happened. Everything's good. Come on back. Well, the right? thing is, Tom's got to put his ego aside and realize he's not getting the job done. So he should be grateful to have a job if he still has a job. So yeah. you, can get, you can get mad all you want. You're the one who lost Iowa State. Like, right. suck it up because. Right. Yeah. that's why they want to fire you. So if you wind up still having this job, be grateful and find a way to keep it. And then you, as we talked about with Harbaugh, then you, then you go through hot seat life for the next year, really hurts you in recruiting and it's hurting you right now in recruiting. Um, hey, what do you do? You recruit? Could you make L- see if Ellen girl come back for another year? Uh, he went through senior day. I think he was. I think he's pretty good with uh, with where he's at in life in terms I'm of moving. I'm just on. saying. I don't think Ellinger is going to be a high draft pick. <sighs> it's 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 interesting. I, Dane Brugler had him as a top five quarterback going into the season. I don't know that this senior season has gone the way anybody thought for Texas and 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 for their offense. So I'm not sure where the evaluation is now. But uh, it's a it's a it's a fair point. Who all right? Who's your who's your search firm? Recommendation, where would you start besides Urban? Mario. Yeah? Mario and Matt Campbell. And the thing is, as long as nothing better than Michigan opens, you got, you're going to get one of those two. Right? You're going to have to pay out the nose to get Mario. You're going to pay right. to get Campbell, too, because he got an extension. Because remember, Florida State set up a press conference last year. <laughs> I don't think he was leaving, but... You know they were they were just making sure they had the podium and everything. Yeah, it's it's and by the way, and it's hard to watch the end of that and and how emotional Matt Campbell gets about his guys and how far they've come together, and to think he would want to bail on them to go to but go. What if Texas. you could put the five star culture with the five star players? Yeah, because that's I, how you win. I national think he titles. would be really successful if he's willing to. And look, this is the this is the hard thing for Matt Campbell is I think we know Ryan Day is not going anywhere, so. What's the job you covet in life? And what is the, what is, okay, well, actually, it's interesting because this is a situation that somebody 
we're just talking about faced. In 2004, in December of 2004, Urban Meyer is leading Utah to an undefeated season. He has professed that Notre Dame is his dream job, always has been. He's always said that if he ever got a chance to go back there as a head coach, he'd go because he was an assistant there under Lou Holtz. So he is, he is the most coveted coach in America, and Notre Dame fires Tyrone Willingham. So, of course, Urban Meyer is going to Notre Dame. Wait, Urban Meyer never was the coach of Notre Dame. Where did he go? He went to Florida, which had just fired Ron Zook. Why did he go to Florida? Because it's easier to win national titles in Florida than it is at yeah. Notre Dame. Where is it easier to win conference and, and potentially national titles, Texas or Michigan? They're, they're, they are in similar spots at this point, aren't they? They are. But I would argue that Texas, by virtue of the results of the games against this team over the years, is much closer to Oklahoma than Michigan is to Ohio State. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. So I would yep. take... There's really no excuse. There's, there's a bunch for Michigan. There's really no excuse for Texas. I would take having to play Lincoln Riley, which is no fun, over having to play Ryan Day, which is yep. really no fun. Matt Campbell's had some success against Lincoln Riley. Too. So that's the thing. If you're Texas, you, you take the temperature on Urban Meyer. If he's not interested, then you, you look at the landscape and go, is anything other than Michigan that's really good going to open? And I think the only way that's going to happen is if somebody leaves for the NFL. But we're not going to see that for another few weeks. So you can probably make that decision and get Cristobal or Campbell at Texas, which I think either one of those would be a good choice. This is where you have to think back, though, too, to when at the end of the Mac era, when they went through. Now, things were a lot messier at Texas at the time. But mm-hmm. when they said, let's go through a coaching search with Steve Patterson, you're getting turned down by Jim Mora. You go to Charlie Strong. James Franklin was next on the list. When the prolonged search, not so hot. Well, you know, no, here, here's the thing. As much as we tend to build up the Texas job, you don't fire the, Tom the most desirable unless of all you time. know what's going to happen. Right. You back I've channel always and that. find out. Yes. If I mean, it's, it's the George Strait song. Check yes or no. You, you send the <laughs> you, note. You have to have someone at the back door or at the front door if you're going to push someone out the back door. That's I think. exactly and that's, right. That's especially true here with the prices involved. So we're, we have three people that we're going to send the check yes or no note to. If you get one back, you can fire him. If you get none back, you need to figure out, if you're Chris Del Cani, a way to break it easily, you know, break, break it gently to those donors that you're sticking with Tom Herman and everybody needs to figure out a way to put on a happy face and, and one big happy family, kumbaya. Well, and look, I, you know, it's... Crystal kind of did not hire Tom Herman and how he handles this is it's going to be fascinating. It's going to go a long way in terms of deciding where he stands with, with these donors, with the decision makers at Texas. And so it's, it's a, it's <laughs> these next few weeks here. I, I, I don't think it makes any sense to move, make a change during the season, honestly, nope. but these next few weeks here is when you have to do all that back channeling and figure out what's out there. And if it's, if we, if we can't get what we need to get, how do we smooth things over? You know, how, how do we, how do we find some resolution here where it's not hanging over Tom Herman in Texas for the next, 
year here, and then you're just sort of delaying the inevitable, right? That's just sort of a half measure. Now, that said, don't lose to Kansas State, Tom Herman. And by God, do not lose to Kansas. Yes. Historically, losing to Kansas has had a negative effect on job security for Texas head coaches. It is suboptimal. Yes. <laughs> to the extreme. So that's that's the thing. And, and you know, we mentioned, we talked about a carousel and, and being a little bit deeper than we thought. If those two jobs, Michigan and Texas, both open, it will create a massive domino effect. Yeah. Especially if Texas is not Urban Meyer. If it's a sitting head coach, it's really gonna it's really gonna start a domino effect. I think you know, Andy, that I very much enjoy to uh, to track the domino effect that comes with these things. Uh, yes, you do. Uh, you and Bruce Feldman had a story on how the Egg Bowl last year affected three hundred jobs. Three hundred yeah. jobs. Nobody nobody pretended to pee in this year's Egg Bowl. Almost one. No, no. Elijah Moore looked really good in this game, though. And, yes, and I believe. Uh, you know, played it safe on the celebrate. It, it was in, you know, it wasn't the most exciting egg bowl, although it was, did come down to a Hail Mary at the end. It did. And, and Matt Corral, <laughs> that guy's really good. He is. Like, can Ole Miss keep him? It's, Should it's he go? pretty, it's pretty unfair. Well, he, he's, when we talk, we start talking about like these guys who have this bonus year now, right? That's well, he doesn't a, need a bonus. He's got one more year anyway, but. I'm saying no, but I know. He? But if if Lane Kiffin's got his guy to start with here, I mean, how good, how quickly, and how good can they get? That yeah, that's the thing. Especially with the one-time transfer exemption coming up, like you could essentially recruit a transfer defense and have a defense. Yeah, Whew. that's that's going to be. We will have to you and I get together and and talk about that. That'll be an entire December episode. Once the season ends, maybe maybe after signing day, because there, there's a lot to chat about on that front. We'll be right back with more from a packed Thanksgiving weekend of college football. Sarah Fuller, Vandy kicker. Well, she was Vandy goalkeeper until a week ago and a uh, mm-hmm. very important member of, of Vandy's SEC championship soccer team. And she was the only kicker on the depth chart. For the Commodores. Now, unfortunately, the Vandy offense did not give her a lot of reasons to work. The, the Vandy offense did not cross the Missouri 30-yard line all day long. Yes. No, no is, red zone plays, yeah. not even reaching the 30, which was unfortunate. So Sarah Fuller, unfortunately, the only thing she got to do was the second half kickoff. She squibbed it, put it right where it was supposed to be. Uh, historic moment first woman to play in a power five game now she could be their kicker next week as well uh there there is another potential kicker for them one of their former kickers still has a year of eligibility left and he's a med student (laughs) (laughs) this was also a very important test today on twitter andy of of do people know what good squib kicks look like apparently they they do not there's some some, (laughs) many people out there who do not yeah i've seen some bad squib kicks now Bad squib kicks get returned. Mm-hmm. This one did not. Did Did you see the onside kick today in the Oklahoma State? Texas oh, State I camp? did. I did. I, I've seen a couple of those in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And imagine being on the hands team and you get that perfect bounce like he did today. Right. That's incredible. Yeah. You, in 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 ninety nine times out of hundred, you should fall on it. Not that not in that situation. 
Yeah, when it when it bounces straight up and nestles itself right in your hands as you 100%. are moving forward through an opening, and there are none of their players on the other side of that opening. Yeah, that's that's a special and, and, one. But and you know then what that also game gets decided by six points, so that's <laughs> right. kind of important. And they had to run out the clock. Well, they they could have scored at the end too. Mm-hmm. They they, they they did the don't score. Jarrett Patterson at Buffalo, 36 carries, 409 yards, eight touchdowns. Now, the fun thing was Howard Griffith, who, who works for the, the Big Ten Network, he is the record holder. He scored eight touchdowns as a player for Illinois in a game against Southern Illinois. 30 years ago. And right. so they're cutting back to him all day on the Big Ten Network. You nervous? You nervous? And But Patterson... <laughs> Did score eight. He probably could have scored another one. And Lance Leopold said that he apologized to him after the game. And and Jarrett Patterson actually said, don't worry about it, coach. Let's get ready to move on to Ohio. So pretty cool after that, that was 409 that was, and eight TDs. That now and, and can't say it's good. So like that was, was a game worth watching anyway. But that became must see TV in the second half there when he started rolling. Um, and it was really fun to watch. It, it was a good reminder that like when we watched this game, we're like, oh my god, he needs 19 yards, and they're at the 19. It's like, yeah, but on the sideline, they don't You're know. You're thinking about that. You don't have st- no. Yeah. You don't have the running stat monitor like baseball. You're charting all that stuff, and sure. you, you are charting things. You have like your backup QBs are charting things, but they're not charting guys' stats. They're charting what you ran on what play to help break down the film later. Like it's and that's what Leipold said. It's like, oh, I didn't know we were at eight touchdowns for him either, right? Like it's just you know they were rolling. They ran for more than 500 yards and 10 touchdowns today. Both both school records, um, but it's hard to know in the moment that's going on. But it, as as a viewer watching it, it was it was pretty infuriating because he was so close. And that that to breaking was Kent P. Ryan's loss, record, by the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just incredible. Seventy to forty one, Buffalo wins that one. Uh, the Bulls, I, they rushed for over five hundred yards in the game, which is just insane. It, and they're not an option team. Remember, right? It was it was pretty awesome to watch, um, and that, and he just I mean that was just all it's it's the best rushing rushing performance we'll see um, all season and and when you consider that Samaj P Ryan did that against Kansas too right, right. like it, it's just one of the all time great rushing performances yeah so that that was it was interesting a lot of history I think Howard Griffith ran for like two hundred in the day he ran for eight for eight you know what yeah. I mean so it's he just kept being the guy. When they got to the end, now he he, he had a, a great game, but it wasn't it wasn't this dominant. So no, this I, was like eighty nine fantasy points dominant. <laughs> <laughs> Just amazing. So I, this was this was a good weekend of football. I I feel like the more there was more drama on Friday, despite being fewer games, yeah. just because of the stakes of the Texas Iowa State game. Because of the stakes of the the Notre Dame North Carolina game, and because mm-hmm. of the upset in the. I guess what well, we can't call it the Civil War. We call it the Platypus Bowl now. I mean that, that in terms of like last last second finishes too. That game was. Uh, How about the guy taking his first collegiate snap on fourth down at the goal line to sneak it in to win? It's oh incredible. And the the offsides they miss, Jebbia getting hurt, going through all that. I mean, it's yes. ridiculous. And and I think Jebbia scored on the first sneak. Right when he fell backward. Right into the end zone. I, 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 cause it looked like the ball was across the plane then. So I, it was that like, was ridiculous. They were, and, and I don't, I never believe the refs are trying to help somebody. 
But I tweeted how how many times the Pac-12 gonna have to apologize for the officiating in this game, right? And then finally, you know, Oregon State with the ball don't lie quarterback sneak makes it a moot point. Did I, I meant, was there an apology today, or is that still still forthcoming from I, the, I don't, the more transparent? I, I don't Pac-12 think they need to there. at this point because yeah. people right feel like the, the team that deserved to win won. So. They did. Oregon State definitely deserved to win that game. And, um, you know, that's that, you know, it, I, it was kind of a weird Saturday just in the sense that, like, you had five games that were going to include top 25 teams that got called off. But yeah, overall, still still some some pretty important outcomes, I'd say. Well, this is going to be a really interesting week coming up because it's, you know, you had a lot of rivalry week type games happened this week, even though it wasn't the last week of the regular season, but you know, people wanted to keep them where they were. That's why the iron bowl was Saturday instead of December 5th or December 12th. And so now we're going to see, you know, we've got the reshuffled sec schedule, Alabama LSU's next week. It was not next week when we talked this time last week. So we got that. We've got does Ohio State play Michigan State because that's a huge decision one way or the other. We've got you know another another Texas A and M game and they're they are must see TV as long as A&M the season Auburn. goes. That's right. You got Texas A and M Auburn, so it's just it's going to be stressful. <laughs> it's going to be stressful all the way, and it's intriguing and it's is it fun? I think it's fun. It's these past couple weeks have taken a pretty hard turn into like every day having to keep up with whether a game's getting played or not. Yes. And and so the Monday to Friday is not as fun these past couple weeks for anybody. But the Saturdays still are. Oh, can we before we go, let's congratulate the Texas State Bobcats. The first team to finish a twelve game schedule in twenty twenty. Oh my gosh, they did. They, they did. They they lost to Coastal Carolina. Jake Spavital and the Bobcats made it. Wow. I, now, it wasn't the season they wanted to have, but <laughs> shoot. At this I love point, that. they the should Texas get a trophy like, just, for, just for playing 12 games. I love that. Texas State on November 28th, they're like, oh, I mean, we're done. We, you know, we played a normal schedule. 20, you know, 2020 was pretty, pretty, pretty normal for us. All right, let, let, before we go, let's just let's go through a few questions and I'm okay. going to get your gut feeling on this. Does BYU get a game against a Power 5 team before the end of the season? Uh they need to and I'd say no. Okay. Does Ohio State play Michigan State next week? Yes. Okay. Does Ohio State play Michigan the following week? Yes. Does Texas fire Tom Herman? I think I think that's becoming increasingly likely. Okay. Yeah. Max. Although there's there's a lot of reasons for that. It's not as simple as yes or no. We uh, but we yes. just went through them all. But Max, yep. that just tells us the next two weeks are going to be wild. Mm-hmm. Like nothing we've ever seen wild. And and look. 
you obviously can't take a lot of joy in this because the, a lot of the reasons for the oddity and the the just the nervousness is a, a global pandemic. So there's no joy in it. But in terms of will this be one of the most interesting ends of a season we've ever seen? Yeah, yeah, it will. And we'll probably talk you're doing about it for like a long the, time. You're doing like the Chris Harrison bachelor tease here, like the most dramatic season of all time. Well, I mean, Alabama's not going to decide they want to take the Larry O'Brien trophy and just go and be done. And then we put Ohio State in. It doesn't work that way. Does not. You didn't know I knew that about The Bachelor this season because I don't watch. But I did know The Bachelor yeah, I'm, at Bale. I'm, I'm surprised you have any any references to offer on this season. I was aware she bailed. That part I that part yeah. I saw. I would not compare her to Alabama, though. I would say if we were talking about contenders, but she, she was, was she was well, no she Alabama. was the she was the person choosing. She was the number one contender. So yeah, I just yeah, I, I don't I think pre- that's I appreciate be- the effort on your end, though. There for sure. But but this is this is going to be endlessly interesting. Mm-hmm. It won't be fun, probably, but it'll be interesting. And I I bet we wind up talking about the end of this season for years and years and years and years. Well, look, man, I, I, I got asked about this a lot on radio hits, like in August and September, I'm sure you did too of, well, man, what's the, what's the playoff going to look like? And I was like, if we make it that far, that's a freaking miracle. And we should all celebrate, <laughs> yep. you know, and it's, it's as much as things are messy right now, it's a freaking miracle that we're even in this position to get this far. Yeah. Playoff probably going to happen i think so yeah and i gotta say the the commissioners seem hell-bent on making sure it happens when they say it's going to happen and not not for the reason you think not because oh tv says it needs to be on these days Mm -hmm. i think they just want to get this over with yeah (laughs) just let's let's try again in 2020 finish line right i mean they just have to all right max it's been a pleasure for everybody listening, I hope that you have had a delicious breakfast, brunch, as you uh, as you listen to this show. Uh, by all means, send us pictures of what you're making. Uh, Max is going to make his bacon and eggs. They're the signature. They are hey, the classics. I, I've got like probably three pounds of ham over here too, so we Ooh. may we may incorporate that. I I, I want to see it, and I may actually eat breakfast this Ooh. Sunday morning. I, I we're we're a few hours from from everybody else waking up, but. I may make an exception and eat some breakfast. So, and I, I, I had some donuts this weekend, and I have to tell you, friend, they were they were quite good. Well, if 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 I do, what, what it, are you breaking it will be the biscuits and gravy? Okay, I like it. So, everybody, have a great Sunday. We will talk to you again on Wednesday, and I guarantee something wild is going to have happened by then. Just that's 100%. this that's the way this season has gone. So. Let's just strap in and and, and try to enjoy the rest. (laughs) We'll talk to you on Wednesday.